0: Not only is it deeply fulfilling to make podcasts that bring new perspectives on society to folks, with Anchor, it's incredibly simple. It's a free podcast host with tons of creation tools that help make cut and polished podcasts straight from your phone or computer. Anchor makes podcasting simple. They distribute your work to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other major platform distributors. They come with a built-in advertising system so you can make money without a minimum listenership. It's got everything you need to make a fantastic podcast in one place. So go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Hello and welcome to Deconstruct. My name is Fitzgerald Poochie. Construct, we focus on tackling the modern societal myths causing our society to act against its own interest. By doing so, we take a couple of different routes. We give people the historical context as to how particular myths started with their origins. We follow the money trail. Institutions and businesses that have things to benefit from them. We expose the societal ramifications that come from these myths in order to equip our listenership with a multitude of different lenses and a fresh perspective so they can see these topics with their new eyes and make informed decisions of how to respond to each situation. Today's episode is part two of our series. Deconstructing value in a post-coronavirus society. We're going to be digging into the ways that our new transformative work can give us the keys to create a new roadmap to lead us to where we want to go in this era. We ended yesterday with the idea of the invisible work, transformative inner change work that does not necessarily create a physical example and which was previously invalidated under the last model of production that we have seen in the world. So that's going to be where we're picking up today. And here, the question of value in the invisible work of processing the global, national, provincial, and local state of affairs transforms the relationship I have with each of these aspects. It holds almost nothing in common with the act of waking up and sucking down seven hours of cable TV news. Nothing like becoming an empty receptacle for the desperate propaganda being peddled by folks, whose livelihoods are challenged just like mine, whose desperation directly correlates to how many people they're able to convince to sit down and suck down seven hours of cable TV news. It instead... This process becomes a meditative practice of interacting with the information, transforming and digesting it, and letting that finished product enrich the lives of ourselves and the people around us. I picture the work of a honeybee busily buzzing out into the fields to collect the pollen that they will digest and make into honey, providing structure and substance to themselves and the rest of their hive. My participation in disseminating the constantly fluctuating emotional state, being changed by constant aberrations and new events taking place, filling the headlines on a seemingly twice-daily basis, depends crucially on my mindfulness in order to succeed in crossing the threshold of productive work. In that same way, I am mining my emotional self for clues and insights as to how I can better shape my fluid state to flow with this little apocalypse. The information brokers of today are mining, living, breathing humans like myself for their participation and propaganda dissemination. The more people they are able to herd in front of the television, the higher the price of the ad space, where those with all of the hoarded value and wealth, the same wealth that I find myself exasperated and in despair trying to attain. They're expending it with incredible liberalism, and prejudice to distract and preoccupy our minds, to move in a direction that is diametrically opposite to the path this internal meditative investigation is bringing me towards. The people with incredible subs of money, benefiting from the chaos and disparity of today, are using that money in gobs to create emotionally manipulative ad campaigns to instill the feelings our populaces are desperately searching for. safety hope, security, peace, and health, on one side on the positives, and on the other in the negative side, fear, anger, resentment, agitation, hubris, and bitterness, to fabricate resolutions to the crisis at hand, in order to convince us once again to spend even more of our dwindling and threadbare financial resources to attain. According to Forbes, the billionaire class of America has increased their wealth by more than $400 billion during the time of the pandemic. And that is exactly the kind of strategic money hoarding that we're talking about. And the ad space that they use is designated by value to the channels and stations that are seeing the highest turnout of people and that incentivizes the participants of these media networks to create the kind of propaganda that is most agreeable to bringing us out in droves for extended periods of time, in a suspended state of engagement and emotional susceptibility to the advertisements ensuing. When I think about this, the nature of the programming, which is so full of unverified and dangerous and blatant misinformation, I'm thinking of... I'm talking about the headlines where the president recommended the populace inject disinfectant into themselves to treat the virus. Or the recommendations to use an expired malaria treatment, which have been killing people in droves. That information is no longer helpful in any way, shape, or form. It is just noise and padding to the onslaught of emotional manipulation campaigns taking place. Even now, the capital machine is working overtime to gaslight our realities, manufacture the illusion of trustworthiness or emotional validation, and tending to whatever moral or productive resolutions the individual has made to stay informed. That's one of the biggest ethical uh, duties that we have cultivated in ourselves in modern advertised America which is really just continuously ingesting the crapshoot of tenuously credible information laid bare and plentiful before us. And then they continue contributing to the profit model extracting from our own emotional health and ability. (laughs) Although the ability for the agents of these media channels has been severely restricted due to contagious possibility of COVID, The figureheads are excaberating tremendous creativity to compensate for their lack of manpower. Their methods to prevent our own contemplation and continue prescribing what is profitable to a desperate and confused populace are still kicking. They'll benefit tremendously if they're able to maintain functionality of these platforms while keeping us emotionally and mentally in the dark. And yet somehow, In the thick of all this complicated extraction, in the midst of adapting as though this case study out of a fantasy for a sophomore marketing class was being enacted in real time, people feel the need to cling to hope. To myself, hope has been a sand castle. Every week, I pour my psyche into packing these little shaped buckets with sand popping out perfectly molded ramparts and bastions to stack atop each other just right to the near point of completion. I'm feeling so good about it, getting to that final stretch, only to have a debilitating high tide come out of nowhere and blast the whole thing to smithereens. I don't even get the wreckage of my psyche. The wreckage of hope, because the contents are swept to the bottom of a volatile and shapeless abyss. Hope, mixed with reality, dictates that I get back with my little buckets and start rebuilding. Perhaps I choose to indulge the luxury of grieving and reflecting before I get to work. Perhaps I bottle up the rage and harness it to build faster this time. Nonetheless, the duty to rebuild compels me each week in this crisis a different wave has come and crashed against my ramparts and sucked them down into the abyss i keep expending sand i keep expending work and i keep expending hope just to see the structure meet the same tragic end every damn week it's an exasperation of Sisy- Sisyf- Sisyphean it's an exasperation of sisyphian inevitability A dear friend of mine commented that if I'm able to learn something about the structure of the castle each time I build it up from the foundation, that my repetition gives me architectural insight that I didn't have the first time that I started building. Perhaps even the process of my castle getting knocked down each subsequent week is actually worth the trouble for the wisdom I've discerned. Perhaps I've formed stronger habits, reached out to my friends in new extents of vulnerability and care and donned a new perspective to the nature of life. Perhaps all of these things, and many other silver linings I've yet to realize, perhaps they make the process just worthwhile. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger, that may be the case, but holding on to hope is just absolutely beating the daylights out of me. It feels so absurdly masochistic to look with gratitude at the wave that's come around and decimated the semblance of a psyche that I've gone half mad trying to construct this week, and this week, and this week, ad infinitum. I wish the frustration of watching the surface of my structure break was as simple as having a sandcastle collapse. I wish it weren't on par with falling into the, de- the depths of despair and sprinting out of a depressive pit each week. I wish it were just a couple hours of growing a suntan and playing at the beach. But the beach isn't even feasible. We can't go to the beach. and miss it. And the waves come, and the waves go. Financial hardship, political despair horror at the surrounding world's ineptitude in handling, and all of the death. Something new hits every week. But in the midst of this building, the clouds do occasionally part from my humdrum. When they do, I realize the insane amount of privilege I have in building it all up again. My family is healthy here and now. The chances of making it out of this, healthy and alive and safe, are good. Well, my finances aren't fantastic, the household I reside in does not have to face the dreadful question of whether rent can be made or not this month. I have the blessing of carrying myself with autonomy, in a balanced psychological state with minimal dependency on others. I'm not in abusive households. I'm not living in direct fear of the growing police state, crushing me. I'm not in danger of physical violence. And I have so many resources to stay sharp and fit. I'm surrounded by beautiful and bounteous nature in the midst of some of my favorite months of the year, and it's only been up to now, as I write this very sentence, that I have realized how generous the world has been in presenting this tragedy in such a forgiving moment of time. It might have hampered a month I may have intended to spend lavishly, but it is truly an act of grace to be going through this in the season that we are. For years, the little town I live in has been an obstruction in the aspirations I had toward a bustling and prolific life in the city. But under these circumstances, the whole damn script has been flipped, and I'm left with a baffling new perspective that has brought me so intensely back to the gratitude I feel for this little town without a stoplight. No refrigerated trucks carrying bodies claimed by the virus. No mass graves. There are no high-rise apartment complexes having their populations decimated from the spreading contagion. Death is just far enough away from this house to get a clear perspective of what it's looking like nowadays. It's just close enough to dig into the grief that I feel at people across my networks who are losing parents and brothers and friends to this contagion. The delicate balance, the incomprehensibly thin membrane between desolation and myself, is making me re-explore my own mortality. This tiny, condom-thin barrier between us is filling out the empty caricature of sweet lady death in ways I couldn't have hoped to understand without experiencing that all-consuming and stomach-turning grief. So in the end, my sandcastles may be vanishing on a weekly basis, and my mother may frustrate me to no end in the way she handles these tough conversations that have arisen, but I still have a mother to infuriate me. Doesn't that say all there is that needs to be said?
1: And that's what we've got for
0: today's episode of Deconstruct. Thank you so much for tuning in part two of this series on navigating and deconstructing value in a post-corona society. I'm so glad that you took the time with us to think about these things and made it all the way to the end of this episode. We have so much love for you, and we hope that we get that this is the beginning of a long series of insights and pieces to come from Deconstruct. We're going ahead at full stream, everybody please make sure to check out our Linktree, the new hub where all of our links can be found, all of our podcast distributors, and all of our social media channels. That is link, L-I-N-K-T-R dot slash deconstruct podcast. If you go there, you'll be able to follow everything in one go. It's never been easier to keep up to date with Deconstructs. And if you want to support our podcast and keep great reflective pieces coming through, you have the ability to become one of our founding members. We are four days into this podcast and already we're making tremendous strides. We love our founding members. They will have a seat with us in the memory of the construction of Deconstruct for as long as time remains. All you have to do is go to that link tree, find the support deconstruct button, and pitch us the equivalent of one of those cappuccinos, or whatever you want to do. If you do it on a monthly subscription, we'll be able to sustain ourselves across the months to come. It's a very uncertain future, but any gift that you're able to give allows us to have freedom, security, peace of mind while we keep doing the good work so please if you want to make a real difference today for the deconstruct podcast become a founding member today that's what we have so far i wish you peace i wish you love i wish you safety i wish you health Stay cool, stay sharp, and stay beautiful out there. I love y'all. I'll see you again soon. I'm Fitzgerald Pucci, and you've been listening to Deconstruct.